Hi, everyone. So, of course, as always, we would appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review us on whichever platform you like to listen. It certainly helps out the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Also, as a side note today, um, we are recording virtually. We normally are in person, um, but today we are recording virtually. So please um, forgive any technical or audio issues um, as we are fumbling our way through it, as neither of us are huge techies. And we'll get on with the show. So how are you feeling today? Um, I'm not feeling great. I sound very congested, <laughs> as I'm sure everyone is hearing. So for those of you who stick through this episode hearing my voice like this, um, those are the true fans, I think, right there. Yeah, the, yeah that they make it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, because I know yeah. I sound horrible. Well, you certainly sound congested. <laughs> I can't lie to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So... We'll start off, before we jump in, we'll try to do our little bit of a question of the day. Um, and this is something that's interestingly been, I don't know if you've seen these videos come up on TikTok, but it always makes me laugh. Um, what is something that no matter how you, hard you try, you cannot understand? Like a concept or an idea or something. And I can go first, if that helps. Yes, please. Okay. My brain's a little slow. <laughs> that's okay. So for me, it would be traffic. Like, I, like, I don't understand why we're just not driving. Like, obviously there's an accident or if there's like an issue, like a road is blocked or something, but like when people just slow down and we're going yeah. at like crawling speed for no reason. And you're like, there better be, not that I wish pain upon people or like tragedy, but like, <laughs> I'm like if there is no reason for this, I'm going to be so much more mad <laughs> and I don't yeah. understand, like, just keep driving just go the speed limit. <laughs> so I don't I understand agree. traffic. Um, I was going to say money, but I feel like all sorts of people would be like, oh, like all the economy people would get on my back about it. But I also feel like just print more money. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, because it's literally a, a machine. Yeah, <laughs> so like just print more of it. <laughs> just print more and please let us stop being all like four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. What don't there's a lot of things that I feel strongly <laughs> about. Um, why I have to pay for the air inside my inhaler, that one does something to me. Paying to breathe. That's paying to breathe. <laughs> like that to me does not. I I don't think we'll ever sit right because it's like I didn't ask to be born with asthma. Just like right. I didn't ask to have horrible vision. So please, right. someone explain to me why glasses paying cost like four hundred dollars. Paying to see. Why am I paying to see? It's not my fault. I don't know if this is true or not. Every every Hispanic parent told their kid that if they sit too close to the TV, that they were going to get bad eyesight. I don't know if that's true. It's probably a load of bullshit. <laughs> I never did it. I ate all my carrots. I don't even know if that's a thing either. <laughs> but, so I don't understand why my vision is so bad. That and inhalers. Why am I paying to see? It's not my fault. And why am I paying to breathe? Air. Yeah. It's supposed just be given I don't understand right. so those right. two like they they don't charge you generally I don't think to put like air in your tires no so okay. why why would I pay to put it in my body right it's so when and especially right like you're only using your inhaler when you're in like a dire circumstance exactly. so like why are we paying for that <laughs> why 
why is it so heinously expensive? Why yeah. is healthcare? <laughs> right. Why is healthcare the way that it is? Yeah. Um, so on a topic for today, we have been talking just ever so briefly about termination, which was something that has come up for me a little bit recently as people have like dropped off for the summer and I've kind of noticed that slump that we talked about. Um, but it's something that I've always, I don't necessarily want to say struggled with, but it's been, it's like something that I feel like I have to contend with because I don't know about in your experience and of course I'm sure we'll get to it. But for me, I feel like I have had very few like formal terminations. Right. So like when graduating grad school, I recall like thinking of termination and like ending the therapeutic relationship as being like a really meaningful, purposeful, intentional type of session. Like, wow, like you've made so much progress. We're coming to the close of our treatment. And let's talk about this relationship and have like a really momentous goodbye. Right. I've probably had, I can probably count on one hand, the amount of those that I've had over the years. Because people more often than not terminate and end the relationship by either like ghosting or just like shooting me an email to say, I'm all set. (laughs) Um, Or they just say, this is my last session. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. So I'm wondering what your experience has been like when like that distribution between like more formal terminations and like spontaneous termination. Yeah. Um, I honestly have to say it's been a little 50 50 for me. I will have a lot of intentional um, termination, uh, especially because for a long time I worked with kiddos. So oh, sure. Um, I think that probably has a role to play in it. Um but recently, yeah, recently I have had like a very, like a planned termination. It's actually due to a scheduling conflict. And that one was interesting because it's like, it's not even like, there's still so much work that could be done. Um, But due to scheduling, we just literally can't make it work because sure. it, it is what it is. Um, But I think with, with those, um, yeah, I mean, they, they both feel strange in their own way. Um, because with the planned termination, it's like, all right, we can talk about it, but what's the person's definition of closure? Like, do they need a month or two to talk about it? Or are they, sometimes I have clients who said like, after two sessions of doing like the termination process, they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm all sad. I really don't feel like dragging it out. I think that'll be more painful. Fair, 100%. Um, but then I've had clients who, yeah, either have ghosted um, or we've had to terminate for other reasons, like non-compliance of treatment or attendance policy. Um, and yeah. those are always a little rocky, right? Because there comes a level of confrontation with that too. Right. And I feel like those ones in some fashion, at least for me and my experience, always tend to be less formal, right? Like when somebody has yeah. completed treatment or um, there's like a transfer of care. So like I'm referring you out for somebody yeah. who maybe specializes in something that I don't or that I feel like would better fit your needs or that you feel like would better fit your needs. We'll do like the the overlap where like, okay, we'll get you scheduled with that person at the new provider and we'll have like one or two sessions post meeting with this new person just to kind of cause some 
not cause, but to allow for there to be a smooth transfer that you're not left for like two weeks waiting to start with your new provider. But then we can also talk about how do you feel like seeing this new person and having to share your history all over again and building a, a new relationship kind of from scratch um, even though your progress isn't starting from scratch, your relationship is starting from scratch. And so those feel, those types of determinations feel more purposeful. Or if like, I'm anticipating that someone's going off to college or they're moving or um, things like that, like those feel more structured and planned because we can, we have like an end date. Well, yeah. Actually, I'm going to go back because I said that I haven't had a whole lot of terminations and I could count on one hand, but now I'm realizing that when I left insurance in December of last year, I, I terminated like 75% of my caseload. Caseload, yeah. So I guess that wasn't um, completely true, but those, I'm almost thinking of it in three different ways, right? You have like the terminations from people who have really come to a good place in the work that they're doing. And then you have termination because of like logistics or technical issues or referrals where it's like, they'd stay with you if they could, but there's still Mm -hmm. more work to be done. Um, And then you have the terminations where it's just, I have not heard from you in three months and now administratively I'm terminating and just reaching out to say, hey, you're no longer on my caseload. Um, In those varying degrees, you said it was about 50-50, but I just split it up into three categories. (laughs) Um, Is there one that you struggle with the most or that you find like the hardest to approach? Um, Believe it or not, it's the, it's the planned one. Um, Yeah. And the reason for that, I think is probably, right, we talked about how therapists bring pieces of themselves into the room. Um, and I promise every listener that I do and I have sought consultation for it. And I do fight against my feelings about it. But I know for me, I'm I'm just one of those people that I don't like to drag things out. Um, I have always been one of those individuals who can find closure by themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes um, having like, let's say a month or two where I know that I'm leading up to discharge with my client. Um, after a while, the conversation almost feels a little repetitive, sure. um, especially if the client doesn't really know what to say either. Um, and I and I can't force them to talk about like what feelings of loss are um, if they're not wanting to talk about it. I will also have sure. some clients who completely avoid the whole conversation and won't engage in it with me until maybe two sessions before. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Well, we planned on this, and, and you know now we're kind of having to to scramble um, because yeah. we were avoiding. And throughout that, I always target avoidance because that I can see. Um, but we also talked about like my my um, attachment. This is why I think it's, every therapist should be aware of what their attachment style looks like, so that right. it's not getting in the way of the room or the work. Right. I'm very avoidantly attached, and I'm still in recovery. So for me, it's like all right where are we going from here? Like, I, I'm good. Um, yeah. um, but you know, obviously clients will tell you where they're at and you kind of just got to follow that, but it is harder for me Yeah, um, I think that to that's... do the dragged out one. Yes. And I think that that's a really good point because, and that's why I asked, because obviously like 
I think maybe people would find it easy to assume that the the no closure ones, right, where we're right. just like no contact or no response and they just kind of drop off might be the hardest. But I do agree with you that like, in a sense, the drawn out ones where, and I feel like that's such a tricky balance because there's almost like, we have to find that, that timeline that makes sense because there is yep. such a thing in my opinion of like too much yeah. time in between yep. right like it versus just the next week being like well this is our last session by the way um right I think that people need time to process and it's important and I feel like from my experience the sweet spot tends to be like three to four weeks like yeah even in leaving previous jobs, which again, I'm now I'm thinking of more instances of termination that I've experienced, um, that in experiences of leaving a job, you generally like a lot of places will require 30 days notice in our field. Um, right. And I feel like that's, if anything, a pretty good amount because with people who cancel or they no show, yeah, if you didn't get the chance to tell them, it gives us a little cushion as far as like, oh no, I didn't see them last week. And so I wasn't able to tell them that I'm leaving and now I can tell them this week. And then they only really want like one or two more sessions. Like they might just feel kind of all set with that. What is your experience been with people who almost similarly, like given your avoidant attachment style tend to avoid or struggle to have like that really vulnerable conversation of like, this is an important relationship to me and now it's ending. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where my avoidant attachment comes in handy, right? Because I know exactly where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of self-protection almost. Right. Of not, of not wanting to um, form a deeper connection because it's just going to be disrupted anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that rings true for a lot of clients. Um, and, and that's, when I have these um, longer termination, cause sometimes um, I'll begin that conversation if I've had a client for a certain amount of time. Um, when we review the, the treatment plan, sometimes I will have, bring up the conversation of, hey, we've really worked on all of our goals here. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to be getting ready for discharge. And, and maybe by the end of our next treatment plan, that's the goal. Because discharge sure. can be a very like it can be a very difficult process terminating um from therapy or from even just the provider, um, but I view those two things as different. I feel like I'm going in a couple different directions here. Yeah. But, um, discharge from therapy to me is a completion of goals. Discharge from the therapist, I I view a little bit different. Ah, uh, that's an yeah, that's an interesting differentiation. Um. Yeah. Um, so for me, the way I think it's therapy, uh, discharge from me is the ones that I find harder because mm -hmm. oftentimes those are the ones that it's like, you know, well, well, why? Because they've almost, I'm thinking of one person in particular who's sure. really been struggling to want to leave. Um, and, and I don't say want to leave, like just leave, you know, that's not what I mean. I mean that they've been with me for so long that they can't understand the idea of not having that around, even right. for support, even though this person has met all treatment goals, has 
has and is surrounded by a very positive support system that is very capable of handling um, you know, their, their issues, that it's, it no longer really meets clinical significance. And I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people on both sides of that fence of sure. like, well, p- therapy should just be accessible. I, I a hundred percent agree, but it's maybe not on a weekly basis if, the, if it's, that's not needed. Um, right. And those are the ones that I find the most difficult because it's like, how do, how do, where, can, where else can we empower um, and how much of it is just um, maybe your attachment coming in. So that's why I focus sure. heavy on attachment work. It's like, all right, did we just replace something with me? And and how do we undo that? Because you, you could do this on your own. That's the purpose of therapy is to empower the individual. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I answered the question. That's just kind no, of where you- my brain went. Yeah, no, you did. And I think that that's the, that is challenging when, when we have termination where clinically clients are ready, but they're mm-hmm. not quite ready of like to let go of the relationship. And that's where I think it like some really fruitful discussions and this comes back to attachment, but those yeah. questions and conversations about have you had or experienced a healthy goodbye that didn't end in disruption, right? That, or turmoil, that that we were able to say goodbye in a meaningful and intentional way and allow the relationship to be at rest rather than to have it be in dysfunction. And can we hurt ourselves in some way by hanging on to relationships beyond when they're over right like and the same goes true I mean it again goes always back to like people's real lives in the sense that have you held on to romantic relationships longer than they like beyond their end point essentially or friendships beyond their end point and how did that end in disaster versus ending in kind of a healthy like civilized goodbye like we can say goodbye to people who've been on our journey in a functional and compassionate way and I don't think that we as humans see that a whole lot right like people are just so used to relationships being severed so awfully abruptly Mm -hmm. yeah and it's you know I hate that person or they were awful to me or they were toxic I couldn't stand them Versus, no, we we came to an agreement that our lives were never, were no longer aligned at this point and um, wished each other well and said goodbye. And I think that therapy can be a beautiful reflection of that when we terminate. And so I think when we come to those people who are kind of avoiding or really struggling with like, yes, clinically my goals are met, but I still want this relationship to have those conversations about like, what does goodbye look like for you in the past? And can this be a different type of goodbye? Um, yeah, the other avoidance piece that you had spoke about that I've also seen is I've had people where even you have like that lead up and you're like, they, they don't want to talk about it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to leave. We have three weeks. Okay, now we have two weeks. Now yep. we have one week. And we get to that last session and I say, you know, okay, today's our last session. How did you want to spend our time today? I would love to reflect on the work we've done and our relationship. 
And I've had the experience of someone straight up saying, I would like to review these text messages to my friend. I said, that's how you want to spend your time today. There's no judgment, but I just want to remind you that today is our last session. And I'm open to sharing and spending it how you'd like. But I also think it'd be really valuable for us to talk about ending this relationship. Right. They insisted. And in the last two minutes, it was the waterworks. Oh my gosh, I didn't get to talk to you about how you're leaving. And I'm so sad. And I'm never going to get to talk to you ever again. And it was just and like we weren't able to have a wrap up because there's just still so much work that needed to be done. I'm wondering if yeah. you've had almost like a termination fail like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually. Yes. And a lot of them <laughs> happened when um, I was at my last agency and got promoted to supervisor. Oh, yep. It was, uh, I asked for a slow transition. So again, I want to say I'm pretty good at challenging my avoidance. Um, attachment style because I awareness the away it's the awareness for me um I'm doing so like it's so much better in my professional life than it is in my personal life um but it's yeah I had a couple of sales where people just like kept calling um for me even after discharge even after we had the conversation about what that would look like and I think it was the fact that they knew I was still there I just couldn't be there Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was there was a lot of that. A lot of yeah. um, I'm a, not wanting to have the conversation. And I think those of, you know, those of um, our listeners who have been with us for some time can probably catch the gist that I'm pretty direct. So if I see something, I'm going to say something. Right. Um, it's so funny. I'm, I'm like those signs on the New York subway. If you see something, say something. Say well. <laughs> um <laughs> And I will, you know, often have those conversations. Hey, I'm noticing that we haven't talked about termination. So I'm curious why not? Because what I don't want is for us to leave the relationship kind of abruptly and it feeling like you weren't able to get your feelings out. Um, And I'll have some clients who are just like, I just don't want to talk about it. And like, and and that's it, right? Is the work isn't done. And I don't, I'm not sure that, um, sometimes the work ever really is done. There's only so many things that we can work on um, with our clients. And it all depends on also what they view is something that they need to work on. Um, And that's why I think that sometimes it's good to have a therapist for each season that a client finds themselves in. And I don't mean like summer, not those type of seasons, like maybe sometimes they need a therapist who can teach them about attachment. Um, Maybe sometimes they need therapist who just worked with them on anxiety and on and so forth um and I really really honestly I only learned these things when in the field because I think grad school did such a like with most things they teach it from a textbook it's so different when you're actually doing it um I didn't realize how heavily um termination relies also on not just the client's experience with saying goodbyes, but the therapist one as well. There is a lot of feelings that come up. When I got promoted to supervise, there were a couple clients on my caseload that I absolutely did not want to give up um, because I knew they weren't done. Um, And I wasn't done. Right. And so that's always really hard. I think we can sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, but on that, in that light, I think sometimes as therapists, because we care so much about our clients, depending on our own attachment or depending on our own stuff, 
we can get kind of on our like high horse or get into that like savior complex yeah. of like I don't want to let go because the work's not done and I feel like I'm the only person who can help them even though that's yeah. absolutely false we right. know that there are plenty of other people that they could probably work really well with and we've done our own unique work with this client there can be that like apprehension of like oh my gosh, like I'm the only one who's connected with them thus far, or I'm the first person that actually listened to them or what have you. And so it, there can be some of that like counter transference of like, I don't want to let go because I feel like I'm the one to save the day, even though we know that they could benefit from another relationship. Just as fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just made a good point though, is um, maybe reframing it as I'm the first person yeah. um because I think that can help put it into perspective yeah. for clients that yes thank you for thinking I'm awesome I really yeah. try to be awesome at my job um but there is someone out there yes the field is you know has its not great therapist but it yeah. also has I think really more often than not amazing therapists who will relate to you on your own you know will relate to clients in their own way but different yeah. doesn't mean bad it just means different yeah I think that's a like a really hard hitting point for me in the sense that um, so I guess this is kind of like a bit of a vulnerable and perfect therapist moment for me. Um, it was really like a shaky, rocky transition, but I had a particular experience and a particular client that I was doing really long-term work with. And I ended up getting to a point where I knew I needed to refer out because it was no longer a healthy relationship for the client, nor was it a healthy relationship for me in the sense that not that we were crossing boundaries necessarily, right. but there was, I was getting more and more of a feeling of like this en en enmeshment. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where we needed to terminate and it was not pretty <laughs> because mm -hmm. I was sad to to do so. It felt a little bit like I didn't want to let go, but I also knew that I had to because it was what was best for them, but also best for me, like just my own burnout and my own yeah. um, clinical work. I saw so much supervision around it, so much peer consultation, like got a lot of support around it. But frankly, the termination session was, it was a mess. Like I am a crier. I think I'm, I've said that before. And yeah. my tears come regardless of how I feel. Like they come when I'm angry. They come when I'm sad. They come when I'm moved happy. by someone. They, yep. they come when I'm happy. Um, And they just, it's like any rouse of emotion, the tears are, it's like the floodgates. And so I remember, and I'd never cried during a termination before. And I cried. I was like really upset. And I think it was a interesting moment for me because what I tried to do since I was caught off guard and feeling really uncomfortable that I was crying was highlight and be vulnerable about kind of where that was coming from and to assure them that they didn't need to caretake for me mm -hmm. that I'm capable of taking care of myself in this moment but I want you to know that I'm just feeling really moved by the work that we've done together and I feel these tears of also hopefulness for what possibilities to come in a new relationship for you and yeah. it was just a, and it 
trying to walk that line of like not making it about me keeping the focus on the client but it was like an unexpected oh god I never thought that this would happen to me (laughs) kind of moment um and that's how I like think of some of these goodbyes when it comes to like our own stuff like sometimes we have to make that really hard choice or that decision of like I don't want to let go but I know that this is what's best for for them and also for me yeah Yeah. I think that that example brought so many good points Laura (laughs) I think it I think it did you called it a mess but I'm curious if maybe um that's actually perhaps what was appropriate who's to say that termination has to look like the textbooks say it does yeah you you took every um moment to make sure that your client wasn't caretaking you but you showed her some vulnerability and one thing that we emphasize heavy on in this podcast is that um every part of the therapeutic process is relational not intervention right. based right um and so there you know i think i think it also goes to show that we're again therapists are human and so there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of feelings that come up and i think as long as we do the job of addressing those feelings and where they're coming right. from we're doing our job um right and yeah. i think ultimately that's also the message that we're sending in the sense that sometimes these hard goodbyes like just because it's a hard goodbye right doesn't mean that it's not the appropriate decision or the best decision for us right like I think sometimes clients tend to lean away from that like oh my gosh I don't want to break up with this person because I get so sad when I think about not having them and that's not the that shouldn't be the sole reason to stay within the relationship, right? That it can be a hard goodbye, but it doesn't mean that it's not the right choice for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think modeling that for our clients, and I I hope that that's kind of what came of that termination session. I'll never know, but um, I think that that's an interesting piece of that. And so in termination, this is kind of leading me down a different track, but in termination, I've had scenarios where clients desire to keep in touch. Um, I have very medium <laughs> boundaries with mm-hmm. that, I guess I'll say. Yeah. Um, like I'm happy, like I'm happy to hear from clients every now and then. Sure. Like, if you want to email me an update, like, cool, no problem. Yep. But I'm very clear about this is no longer a therapeutic relationship, but it's also not a friendship. So if you email me an update, I might respond and say, that's so great to hear. I'm so glad you're well, right? It's not going to be great. Let's meet up for coffee or great. Like, awesome. Right, let's right, go right, right. hang out. Um, but I also not going to be so cold that if you were to reach out to me that I would just completely ignore you or mm-hmm. um, what have you. And I, um, and I'm wondering if you've had experiences with navigating like the post termination space, because I know you said at agency work, like where it's more like a transfer of care. So maybe you're still seeing them in the hallways or what have yeah. you. Um, so I haven't had the experience of anyone try to make the relationship more casual. If anything, the only time I do, like, I do need to make sure it's not, not that I struggle with it, um, is parents of kids. Sure. So the parent was not my direct client. Um, and I've had to have conversations about like, your child was my client, but in ways I was 
still also providing some therapeutic service to you as well. Right. So, you know, we can run into each other in the grocery store. I'm, I You say hi to me first if you want <laughs> that line of communication to be open. But I'm also, you know, we're also not going to discuss, like, we're not going to compare recipes. We're not going to do that just because we need to maintain a little bit of, we need to maintain that boundary. Um, mostly because I, I don't know if this person is going to come back into treatment with me. Right. Right. Especially if, you know, the reason for discharge was I completed my goals. That does not mean that five years down the line, there isn't going to be something to work on. And who am I to tell them, no, you can't work with me anymore. Right. Um, no, absolutely not. If I can help it, and it's still within the realms of my competency, then by all means. And so I always like to, I, I like to say that as well when I'm discharging right. um, so that clients know you can request me on social media if you can find me. Um, as I try to make sure I'm not identified um, as me on social media, but I won't be, I, I can't accept that friend request because you just never know. Right. And if there is going to have some access to me, then let it be therapeutically. I can't, yeah. I can't be your friend. And to some degree, right? Like the, the therapeutic relationship, and I mean this in more of like a spiritual or like connected mm-hmm. way, um, not necessarily like a direct contact kind of way, but the therapeutic relationship continues after termination mm-hmm. in the sense that if you take on their sibling or you take on their yeah. parent or you befriend them on social media, even though the relationship is terminated, they can have the, so like in the instance of like befriend, like taking on a family member or something as another client that can tra- change in some fashion, the work that you did. Yep. Because it can like, oh, well now what are they telling my mom that they told, you know, that they didn't tell me, are they like totally on her side now? And we can create some of that conflict even after termination has occurred or with social media, like as always the risk with social media, right. And and clients, are they going to come upon information that then changes kind of that understanding or that connection that you had while working together? Um, And not that that becomes our responsibility, right? Like we're not responsible necessarily for Mm -hmm. how our clients perceive the relationship in five years, 10 years, but I think it is an important consideration when it comes to protecting that work that had already been done. Um, as far as like not taking on extra people or not letting that slide into a more casual type relationship that even if like your kids go to school together, we're not going to be like bringing our kids for meetups and like having them hang out. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think with everything in the therapeutic process, termination is just as tricky. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that come into play in the room that we need to be aware of, um, not just for ourselves or for our clients. Um, but yeah. arguably, I think one thing that maybe, um, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast also was a form of peer, like almost like a peer consultation, just providing a safe space for therapists yeah. to kind of hear about topics discussed is that yeah. I think grad school needs to do um, a, a much better job about raising introspection and self-reflection in therapists and how important yes. that is in their trainings because had I never worked on my like attachment issues my relationship with my clients would probably look very different and it probably wouldn't be helpful to them of and course. so I I think that that's really 
important is for um, therapists to, if they're noticing some type of discomfort in any part of the therapeutic process, to look at that. That is a sign that something's there. Right. We talk about how anger is sacred and anger is uh, the emotion that's supposed to actually be friendly to the person who's having it. So it just tells you that there's something about the situation that's unjust and unfair. And it, it encourages you and it should empower you to do something about it. Right. Um, and I think that that's the same thing with discomfort is whatever our discomfort is about what's happening in the process, something like termination, where who, you know, I think we can also count on, you know, in our personal lives, the amount of times that we've had a healthy goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to circle back to that point, because I think that was really well said, is that, you know, how we are often the first person um, that is modeling a healthy relationship with clients. And so we yeah. need to keep that going throughout the whole entirety of the relationship, including right. the termination phase. And I think that that's where we end up seeing people who ghost or just like mm-hmm. terminate via email or text. Right. Um, because they aren't certain how to navigate mm-hmm. a healthy goodbye and well okay I'll say actually I feel like in some instances there are like text type communications written communication that you can send to still give like a relatively healthy goodbye um but in an ideal sense we have time to just kind of sit and like process together um but in the instances of like ghosting for sure I think we see that that come up of I'm not sure how to end this. So I'm just not going to address it at all and not speak to this person ever again. Um, right. And I think that that's also where we see a lot of therapists who have their own stuff get stirred up. And I'm wondering if you have had experience with that or if like being somebody who tends to be more avoidantly attached, do you just like, you're like, ah, nope. All right, whatever. It's not on me. Um, not a big deal. Or if that gets to you in any way. So yeah, I've had clients who come to me for, for that. And I very quickly see, which, you know, they are I'm like, hi, it's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, but actually those are my favorite because I know where it's coming from. So I tend to say, Hey, um, we talked about possible discharge and you haven't said much about it. It's, and then, then comes the conversation of, of where that comes from and and where else in their life has their avoidance made it easier to break ties sure. with somebody I guess I'm I'm wondering more so about people who like there's no precursor to that right like we had gotcha. a great session and now I have like I just don't ever hear from you ever again got it okay um yeah had a lot of those um I've actually sent, like, if it's an email, I will write an email back um, encouraging, like, saying totally respect that, you know, you want to terminate therapy. Um, I would encourage for us to at least have one session where we can talk about what that looks like um, to ensure that you have, you know, the care that you need moving forward. Because at the end of the day, I can't, again, it's all about empowerment. I can say my two cents on this is probably maybe not the most helpful way for us to terminate because there's going to be a lot of things that left unsaid. I particularly make a point of saying, I really would like to do one more session for my clients that perhaps 
I that I know we're struggling and that this is probably also another avoidant attempt um, to not engage in whatever type of, of intervention or help that's going to come bring them out of that pattern. Um, so like my, my clients that uh, struggle with, um, this happens more with EMDR clients where they're just like, well, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I'm like, oh, uh, we're gonna you do a that. processing session and then you don't hear from them for three weeks and you're like texting them yep. like hey are you coming back did you want to reschedule <laughs> yes yes yeah. absolutely and and what I have started doing is having those conversations up front um during either like when we start talking about EMDR even with my regular talk therapy clients I have started to talk about like how uncomfortable therapy can be um, and why it's important that if the client is feeling any discomfort, chances are I'm going to see it um, and I'm going to want to talk about it. Right. Um, because I, I think that also helps like normalize it a little bit. Is Yes, we're used to walking away from things when they get hard or they feel like too much. Right. And it's okay to lean into those feelings. We can both respect those feelings and also do something about it. Yeah. Um all within the bounds of what's appropriate, right? Because I can't force my client to want to have that last session with me if they don't sure. want to. Send them with my blessing. I say, okay, <laughs> this is your decision. I understand. Here's what I think and here is why. Um, right. But if this is what you feel is best for you, then this is what's best for you. I love that you have that perspective. And that's uh, quite frankly, like 90% how I feel most of the time. Um, and I know on our episode last week, we had Carson Frelli and she had also mentioned um, kind of not taking termination personally. Yep. And I 100% agree in my rational brain. And then of course, in my emotional <laughs> and attachment focused brain, I get really stuck in self-doubt and can tend to, mm. and I think I'm not alone in this and it, that there are probably other therapists who relate to this, but that I can tend to get very spirally about like reviewing every second from our last session because I just haven't heard from them. They left, they scheduled or they didn't schedule, but they canceled if they did. Um, and now I just haven't heard from them again. And there's that doubt, that self-doubt of like, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? Did I cross a line? Did I make a fool of myself, like just that insecurity of like, was I too much for them? Did I, you know, um, cover all the bases? Did I overlook something that they felt was important that we didn't get to talk about or that I maybe I missed by chance and they felt dismissed or just like really beating myself up about it. And mm. I'm working. I mean, it's been a work in progress since I started being yeah. a therapist. Thankfully, it's gotten better with time. But I remember being like, a baby intern um, and even like fresh out of grad school before licensure and feeling a lot of that, just like constantly, what did I do wrong? And the reality of it is, is that it has nothing to do with us generally. Right. Generally. Um, right. Right. Unless we did and, something like overt. <laughs> right. And even if to some degree, like even if I did, overlook something and they felt dismissed or I was too me for them I don't know which is like not I don't mean it like that like I don't take offense to that but 
if I was just not their type of person yeah and they left then I also honor their right to walk away like I do honor that and I do respect that because there's no point for them or me for them to stay in a relationship that they don't feel good about but it does like take sometimes it can feel like it takes a hit to our egos a little bit of like oh man like (laughs) what did I do (laughs) for sure for sure I think I've actually felt that once with a recent client who after a couple of sessions just like um they said I don't feel like we're making progress but I'm like (laughs) we only had three sessions but okay (laughs) um give it a moment (laughs) give it a moment give it a and and I I did respond back totally understand that there are things going on in life that um really make it feel like you need to have answers ASAP um, I would encourage, and, and I did add this because again, if I see something, I got to say something. <laughs> I said, I would encourage you to keep in mind that the therapeutic process can be a complex one. And in order to work towards pro- progress and healing, um, you may need to give yourself more patience, um, whether it's with me, whether it's with any other therapist, that is the last words of, um, you know, that's those are the last words I will leave you with is if it's not me fine cool but do it for you is know that therapy is not a quick fix as a lot it would be great if it was right. um, but it's not and so but with that one I was like damn did I really did I really botch this one up because um, that had never happened to me before mm. um, especially on what we were working on was so complex that I was a little a little like wait how how did we get here right. Right. um the it was so complex I'm like what do you mean and like making right and that's the question it's like is this about not making progress or is or there is something about, else right. here like we just told ourselves oh I'm gonna go in and tell her that like I'm not making progress I'm not happy about it <laughs> like right exactly that, but there's like something underlying that maybe is more true Right, yeah. exactly. And and that's that's what I, I for that one I definitely spiraled a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute, I think this is about me. Maybe I just wasn't their cup of tea, which is fine. Sure. Um I'm I'm okay with not being everyone's cup of tea. Um, but that one that one really did it for me. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. what? That doesn't see that doesn't track. That yeah. makes no sense. I think so. that is though, like where being a therapist come becomes so vulnerable in some fashion mm-hmm. is that like when we do decide to show up as our authentic selves within therapy, obviously with our therapist hats on and, you know, not, yeah. um, you know, talking about our personal stuff, but when we show up as our authentic selves, I think there is some vulnerability in that in mm-hmm. like, will I, will I be this person's cup of tea, even though I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, like rationally, it's just kind of some yeah. of that, like, oh man, like they didn't, they didn't vibe with it, which kind of hurts. But ultimately, like, I think that that's part of the work and that's part of where we as therapists, it's important for us to get our own supervision and therapy, mm-hmm. because if that's an ongoing thing, I can see where burnout would be um, a very fast destination <laughs> to arrive to. yeah 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 I agree yeah um I would love to hear other people's termination stories if they have them certainly feel free to hit us up on 
who am I? Hit us up. <laughs> um, <laughs> reach out to us. <laughs> Instagram at sincerely two imperfect therapists. Um, or you can shoot us an email. We are at we are sincerely two imperfect therapists at gmail.com. However, you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you, interact with you, um, and to hear your episode suggestions if you have things that you'd like to hear us talk about. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Just as a friendly reminder, we love the support. And until next time, sincerely to imperfect therapists.